This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous at the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each episode, we have one goal in mind, to share experiences, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Masters in Travel is a podcast, community, and academy for travel advisors by travel advisors, and I'm so glad to have you join the conversation. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney. Burnout has been a topic that has come up in many conversations lately. I've even mentioned in a couple conversations, both privately and on the podcast, that I'm currently feeling very burnt out as well. The thoughts that come next after realizing that the way you're feeling isn't sustainable will be different for everyone. It will likely depend upon where you are in your business, how you're feeling about your business, what's going on in your personal life, and so many other factors that can contribute to how you decide on how to navigate these feelings of burnout. For me, it looked like shutting down my calendar, saying no to all new inquiries for a few weeks, and providing myself some grace with taking it a bit slower from one day to the next and allowing myself some time to rejuvenate my energy stores before diving into the all-consuming phase of designing new proposals. For others, feelings of burnout lead to thoughts of leaving the industry potentially selling your business, or merging with another company for mutual support. Here with me today to talk about her journey and her experience with burnout and where that has led her today is Bailey White. Bailey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. So I would like to take it backwards to get started today. I'm wondering if you can remember 2019 Bailey, early 2020 Bailey, pre-pandemic, Talk to me about your business, the vision you had for the future of your business. In that moment, where was your headspace as a business owner? I love that. Okay, so wind it back to the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> Things were thriving, honestly. I had a very like young and up-and-coming business and I was really happy with how things were going. At the time we were smaller, I was building out a new advisor training program. I had one or two advisors on my team in a short amount of time, we would become a team of 12. I was just kind of like in the, in the trenches of building out a new advisor training program, making a business plan, creating my strategy for taking the company where I wanted it to go and where it did end up going, even despite the pandemic. And I was having fun. I was loving it every second of it. I was traveling a lot. I feel like every other month I was leaving the country. Like things were great. Things were wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like my 2019 as well. Like I, I remember 2019 was the best year I had had since I started. Like every year was progressively getting better, you know, just revenue wise and trip wise and whatnot. And I remember like those really amazing feelings as a new entrepreneur that is like, I haven't quote unquote made it yet. I'm not earning the money that I need to make to really, you know, I haven't reached my goals yet, but I can see that I am making progress and I am like moving in the right direction. Like that's what 2020 was for me. And I'm still using 2020 number, 2019 numbers, sorry, to compare my progress this year. Like 2019 was a great year. Yeah. (laughs) So fantastic. So talk to me, like, when did things start to shift for you? Like, was there a specific thing that happened that catapulted you in this direction of like, oh, this is something changed. This is different. Or was it more gradual that just little by little, 
you started having just different feelings, different thoughts, maybe some questions started to come up for you. Like when did things start to shift? Right, right. So I think that if we're all honest with ourselves, I think that you're lying. If you've been in the travel industry in the past two years and you haven't at least had a small daydream about like being done, I just want to wipe my hand cl- hands clean of all of this. Like, and I think that that is normal. Like we have been sure, yeah, through it. But yeah. I knew after I had, it went from a daydream and a fantasy to like this deep stirring in my soul. Not that I wanted to sell my company at all. Like, in fact, that was not ever just like an option for me. But I knew that something was wrong after I could not shake that feeling or thought after probably like about a month of just like sitting in it. And Mm -hmm. it's just that wasn't normal for me because my travel company and my spot in the travel industry, just being a travel advisor meant so much to me. And the thought of wanting to give up something that I loved or make changes to something I love or like come to like really despise or resent something that I love just like wasn't normal. And so after right. probably I had that feeling for like a month or so and sat with it, I was like, you know what? something's got to give like, this isn't right. I knew that I had a problem. Okay. It's interesting that you talk about like a certain feeling kind of coming back up again or remaining with you or sticking with you. Cause I think about that feeling a lot on the flip side when it's a, when it's like an idea that I have, sometimes I'll have an idea and I'll be like, Oh, I get a new idea. Like every single day, it's like buying a new shirt or something. And it's just like, whatever. But when that idea like keeps coming back, and it doesn't go away. And it's like still taking up brain space. It's like, oh man, I got to do something about this, don't I? <laughs> exactly. So that works in that works in both ways, you know? It's like when you can't stop thinking about something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the can't stop thinking about something, was it specifically about something has to change and it has to be drastic? Or was it specifically about selling? So it was more so about something has to change and it has to be drastic. In fact, selling my company when I first started to have these like serious thoughts and like feelings of burnout and feelings of overwhelm and, oh, this is more than just like a hard afternoon or like a rough day. It was Mm -hmm. more of a Mm -hmm. like an apparent, like my life cannot continue the way that it's going. Something has got to change, but I... I mean, one of the things that I did throughout my entire like process and, you know, coming to learn that what I wanted to do ultimately was sell something that I did was journal. I mean, I journaled about it all the time and I have looked back on it already since. And one day I was like, but selling is not an option. Dissolving the company is not an option. Like that will never be an option at all. I I thought that that was something that I would never do. Okay. So now I'm going to jump to the end. You've now sold Be The Travel. And now you have, you have been through the whole process. You have been through the mental process of actually deciding yourself that this is what you're going to do. You have executed on it. You have gone through all of the legal processes of selling. And now you are on the other side. You are no longer the owner. You are creating content and you are working on new projects. So needless to say, like you've been through a lot and you've learned a lot and you now are kind of one step ahead of anyone who is thinking about this because you've done it. Yeah. So how looking back at your experience, 
how would you talk to another advisor about understanding or knowing if those feelings of selling are really the right feelings? And, and like, really, how do you, how do you figure out, like, is this really what I want? Is this really what's right for me? Or is this just a really shitty moment right now? Yeah. And yeah. is there like another thing to consider, you know? Well, how I would talk to that person is I would email Whitney and be like, Hey, can I record this podcast with you? Which is exactly what I did because the day I announced that I had sold Be The Travel, I was expecting the normal, like, right. People are like messaging you and commenting and calling and congratulating you. And then people are also saying that they're proud of you or they're wanting to know the story. But what I was not anticipating was people coming out of the woodwork Like you would have been so shocked at the amount of people who are coming to me saying, I've been thinking about this too. I think that I want to sell my company. I think that this is something that I might want to pursue. How did you go about it? How did you know that this was the right decision? And I was like, whoa. Whoa. Because I I was just shocked. I mean, like I obviously can't say specific names, but the numbers and the volume of the people who I know in the industry that reached out to me saying these things, I was like, this is not, it it made me sad. Like it made me sad that that many people in the industry were having these thoughts. And I don't want to be just the example of like selling a company and being done with the industry. In fact, we were just talking. Well, Bailey did this so I can do this too. (laughs) Like we were just talking offline about how like not everyone can sell because like we, the industry needs good people. And I don't think that selling is for everyone. And so I do think that if you are having these thoughts, it's worth it to go through the motions and go through the process. And I'll share a little bit about my journey too, and explore and exhaust like all of your options, all of your resources, and know for certain that this is what you want to do because you can't undo it. Like you can't go back. Right. There's, I mean, talking about the legal work that's involved, quite frankly, you can't sell your company and then say, actually, I miss it. I think I'm just going to start from scratch and do it all over again. Like you can't, there are non-competes involved. Like you can't go back. And so you have to make sure that this decision is right for you. Okay. So when you say exhaust all options in considering if this is right for you, what are the other options that we should even be thinking about or considering? I think that something that I'm so glad that I took the time to do once I, like before I even knew that I wanted to sell Be The Travel, I talked to people that knew me personally, that knew me best. And I was just expressing my frustrations. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm feeling. Like, what are your thoughts? And obviously you only invite in people that you trust and that know you. Mm -hmm. And then I was doing that with my colleagues as well. So people that like knew the industry and like actually knew what that felt like to be in and have gone through what we had gone through. And then I also talked to other business owners outside of our industry who knew what it was like to be a young woman, maybe a mom or thinking about having a family one day, owning a business. And here's what's going on. And this is, you know, it's special because this is the travel industry, but how does that relate to you who owns a hair salon or that owns a Mm -hmm. photography business? And like, really just start to like, listen to people and just like, let like sit in all of that, like, let it learn, go on long walks with yourself and just like talk to Mm -hmm. yourself. I think the best way to explain it is to just like, before you jump into a rushing like river, 
you need to mm-hmm. walk the banks of the river to see where that leads first before oh, yeah. you're in deep head of, you know, head underwater yep. and you can't get out. And it's like, you, you mm-hmm. can't go back once that starts. So mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's best to just like have all those conversations first. And mm-hmm. what I, when I went through that process, I actually explored like four different options. And this is kind of like what I emailed you about things that you can do before landing on, okay, it's time for me to sell my company. I, this is it for me. Like I want out type situation. So before we dive into these four things that, that you kind of went through, I think just listening to your description of this also makes me think if I was truly feeling burnt out and questioning whether I even wanted to be in this industry anymore, I think one thing I would try to do is take a step back and consider what does the ideal picture of me owning a travel business look like? Like if there was no pandemic, if I wasn't feeling stressed with the balance of my personal life and my professional life, and if things were going wonderfully, what does that look like? And do I still enjoy that daily responsibility? Do I still enjoy connecting with new clients, discovering new destinations around the world, planning the nitty gritty details of people's vacations and answering questions about, you know, which adapter I need to pack when things are going perfectly. Do I enjoy this role as a travel advisor? Because the answer might be no. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Because sometimes we have to do something to really know if we like it or not. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to look at a travel advisor's job and, and, think like, oh, that must be the most amazing job in the world. I definitely want to do that. But there's no, I mean, there's no job that you can know everything about it until you do it. Yeah. Right. And so that's real. I think it's totally okay. If you start as a travel advisor and you realize I don't actually enjoy this. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I mean, it's not any different than like, being an, an assistant in a legal office or working as a waitress in a local cafe or working in real estate. I mean, it is the exact same. You might get involved in something and one year in, you might think there's nothing actually wrong. I just don't like this. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Or I, it might also be a situation of like, I learned that I love this because that was my scenario. Like I love, like I'm still telling people like, being a travel advisor is the best job ever. Like I love it. But because of my unique situation and everyone has their own, like sometimes it just doesn't work in that capacity that you were, you had been operating mm-hmm. under. Mm-hmm. And so like, to your point, just being honest with yourself and allowing yourself the permission to just like be okay with how you're feeling about everything. Right. And I, I told you before we started recording, I am so happy that you sold your business and you're still involved in the travel industry. Yeah. Because that's also something that you can love the travel industry. You can be super passionate about what we do every day. And there are a million different ways that you can be involved with the travel industry. It doesn't have to be being a travel advisor and owning your own business. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, there are some people that they sell their businesses and they're just like, peace out. I never want to see any of y'all again. you know, and they just need to like move on. And you were like, oh, I'm here to stay. I'm just yes. going to find a different way to be involved and to connect and to be a part of this industry. 
Yeah. And we did see that a lot in the pandemic. It was like, oh, so-and-so is a real estate agent now or this person. And they're just like, they're done. They wipe their, and that's great. And that's okay too. Yeah, exactly. That, That was perfect. But for me, I was like, I can't say goodbye to this. Like I love it too much and I believe in it too much. And I'm not ready to say goodbye, but this isn't fitting right anymore. And so there's room to carve out what works for you. Okay. So walk me through your journey of just kind of the steps that you went through and that led you to really deciding, okay, this is right. This is the path I want to go down. And now kind of step-by-step, this is how I'm going to navigate this these uncharted waters, because you have obviously never done this before. And this isn't, I've never heard anyone talk openly and transparently about selling a travel agency. So if, if you're thinking of doing this for the first time, you're kind of on your own. Yeah. As far as I know, like there isn't anything out there right now. That's like, here's the checklist for everything you need to do when you want to sell your agency, just take them all (laughs) off and you're good to go. Like there's no, there's no like resources out there. There's no, or I haven't heard any interviews with anyone else who have gone through this. So I kind of feel like you must've felt like you just had a blindfold on going through all of it. A little bit. Yeah, I did. And I think we kind of talked a little bit about this offline the actual like steps that, okay, I've just, I've landed up my decision. I'm going to sell my company. Now what? That is like a whole nother podcast. And we even were like, you know what? We should probably just do a follow-up to this. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I do think that like, be, like coming to that decision is a process in itself too. And like I said, I feel so passionately about this industry. Like don't make a permanent, so like a permanent decision for a temporary pain. Like you really, really, really need, you owe it to yourself. I mean, this is, these are our businesses, whether you're a solopreneur or you're an independent contractor, just straight under a host, or you have a team, like you owe it to yourself, especially after being or going through like everything that we went through, you owe it to yourself to like go through the motions and let's try Mm -hmm. all of the things before I try this permanent decision and selling my company. So I think the first thing that I did, and this was probably a little bit like approaching burnout, like you, you can like Mm -hmm. feel when your business and you, Mm -hmm. you kind of said you're like, this is where you feel like you are right now. I think it goes for anyone, whether you are a business owner, like you have a team, like I did at Visa Travel, or you are just like totally on your own. I think what needs to happen first is to just start refining your book of business. I think we owe it to ourselves. I think that after everything that we've been through, it's a great time to do this as well, to just go through your client list and start weeding people out and really try to skinny down the people that you work with and the trips that you plan to make it to where they, number one, they give you a great sense of joy. And number two, it makes you money and it makes it to where the time that you're spending is worth it financially for you. I don't know if you've, have you gone through that process already recently? Oh yeah. (laughs) A lot. I mean, I think it's probably happened in, in like multiple small phases, but in the past few months, it's gotten more extreme than ever for the exact reasons that you're, that you're describing, because it's like, I, in sitting at the, in those burnout feelings for me and taking it back to the core foundation of what it is that we do every day, I do love it. I really mm-hmm. 
I mean, I have these other projects that I'm working on, you know, with the podcast and with the community and whatnot, but it has never crossed my mind that I'm building a podcast in the community so that someday I don't have to be a travel advisor. Like that's never been the goal. That's never been the motivation. I love being a travel advisor, but I don't love planning all types of trips and I don't love working with all like styles of clients. And so that's where the refinement comes in is just being really honest with yourself about like what trip styles and which type of clients and like which type of suppliers light you up to skip into your office every morning. And that's what you should be saying yes to. That exactly. I think what you just said is really great in theory. It comes down to actually doing it though. Like when it yeah. comes down to it, actually starting <laughs> yes. to say no to those clients that maybe you've worked with forever. And it's like, okay, I feel like I can't say no to them because they were with me from day one. But it's like, like, no, like do it. Because if you continue down the burnout path, there is not going to be a business anymore. Like you're like, right. no one that's not sustainable. Like you're nobody can you're essentially like that. sealing your fate. Like if you identify that these clients aren't really a great fit or this trip style really isn't a great fit, but I can't say no because they've been with me since the beginning, then you're essentially just like signing on the dotted line, like headed straight to burnout. We'll be there within six months. Like (laughs) you're just deciding your fate if you continue to say yes to those. Yeah, exactly. And if you, if you don't do that for yourself, it's like you said, you're sealing your fate. Exactly. And I think it's just like, number one, carving out the time to like physically go through your client list. Do, do they bring me joy? Do I make good money off of them? Is this a type of trip that I enjoy planning? And if they're not solid yeses, then move forward. I know that not everyone can do that like immediately because you might be like, okay, well now I have three clients and that's not sustainable either. But I think if you're just like intentional about moving in that direction and be stern with yourself, like make yourself do this. I know you've talked a lot about CEO days on your podcast, I think with Jen and Robin from Teak, that would be a great CEO day task. Like make yourself have the time to go through, do that process and start refining your business because eventually you'll build up your business bigger with only your ideal clients. And that's going to really, really alleviate a lot of that burnout feeling. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think that taking the time to do it and, and getting honest and it doesn't have to be personal. Like it doesn't have to be like, I like this client and I don't like this client. It's more like take the, the, the people out of it. It's more about the a minimum budget or destinations that you enjoy planning or types of travel. Like, is it cruise or is it FIT or is it tours or is it, you know, all inclusives or like, what is it? But like the types of travel. And then within that type of travel, you say, okay, I love planning the Caribbean. I love honeymoons and I know a lot about all inclusives. Okay. Now set a minimum budget. Mm -hmm. What investment for that type of trip is going to enable you to a make money because you're a business owner and that's what you are here to do and B work with partners that you know, and that you trust and that you can count on for your clients. And that's your minimum budget full stop. Mm -hmm. And if a client comes and they're like, Hey, this is what I want. And my budget is 20% lower than that minimum that you've set. You kindly explain that the partners you work with will require X and ask if they can increase. And if they can't, then you might not be a good fit. I know that I'm making, I'm making that sound like really simple. And I don't mean to just be like, it's easy. Just do it. It's not a big deal. But also if you don't do it, we all know like where you're headed. The burnout is not going to retreat. Yeah. 
It's not just going to go away. And I also think too, I mean, exactly what you said earlier about just like, Hey, I cleared my calendar. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to take some time off. That's great too. And I think that you said you should absolutely do that, but that's not a solution. Like you will, if you don't make changes, when you come back, you're just going to exactly. fall back into everything else. And so it's really important. Maybe take that time, clear your calendar and do some reflecting yeah. during that time and then come back ready yeah. to make the change. The, the clearing my calendar was more to be like, I need a square ounce of brain space to just <laughs> even take a deep breath and to figure out what I even need to do and to refine because I just can't even hear myself think Yeah, that like my inbox is out of control. My clients are out of control. Like clients are fine. It's like the, you know, it's like ducks swimming smoothly. And then underneath, I'm just mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, I can't keep up. This is insane. I'm not sleeping and I'm not. So it's like my, my clients were never affected. Everything was always good, but I wasn't okay. Right. And so it's just like, I just need a timeout, you know? And so, but I, I appreciate you saying that you were exactly right. Blocking your calendar for a month is not the solution. It is going to provide you space to reflect, mm-hmm. to gather your energy stores, and to really just sit down in your office and think and, and start to make a plan and to really ask yourself these big questions. But without execution, blocking your calendar for a month isn't actually going to solve anything. You have to execute on those things that you refined. Yeah. Yeah. Like you might have time to take a few more showers and sleep a little bit longer, Sure, (laughs) but you got to come back ready to make some change. Exactly. So when you went through this to really refine your book of business, what, what did that look like for you? Did you, did you define it and then decide that's not a place that I can get to very quickly? Or, I mean, how did you then get to the next step that was still taking you towards selling? Because the refining didn't end up stopping it for you. Yeah. You kind of continued down this path. Yeah. So like I said, I think that the refining piece happened a lot, even probably before I knew the direction that I was heading. A lot of the refining for me was, okay, I'm I'm growing my business. And, and I think that that's like a lot of what this conversation is. It's like, you know, having a clear direction. And for me, it was like, I'm growing a business here. I cannot continue to let my personal book of business grow, grow, grow and grow, grow, grow a team of ICs here on the other side, because eventually, or essentially what's happening is you're operating two different businesses. So you have your business, your book of business, your clients, your advisors on one side, and then the completely, like there's a whole nother business that is managing a team of ICs and that is mentoring them and running all the marketing for a larger company. I know that your company is structured a little bit differently than how mine was, but still it is two Mm-hmm. separate yes. entities. And mm-hmm. so for me, it was like, I'm going to skinny down over here on my book of business side. And okay. that will give me more room to grow what my long-term vision was. And also for the clients that I was no longer able to work with anymore, maybe, you know, they did it, you know, they were the kind of client that I saw when they they called me. I was like, oh, this person, or like I wasn't making enough money, or they were asking me to plan trips. They were asking me to go to Disney, and I was like, listen, I'm not doing your Disney trip. And so <laughs> I was able to like pass those off to the girls who were coming up underneath me. So that's what the refining thing looked like for me. And I think it's important for people to know like what does this need to look like for me. Yep. Yep. No, I, I'm really happy that you clarified that because when I think of refining, I immediately go to focusing and aligning your client profile, but you're like, oh, I I actually, I'm running two businesses. I need to get super focused with my book of business, but also allow time to run this team that I'm building. And so that scaling back probably worked for a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then 
It wasn't until enough. Until it didn't. Yeah. So what was what was the next step in your journey? Yeah. Of like another option to consider or but what came next? Yeah. So the second thing that I would encourage people to consider is like you said, I know we weren't even planning to talk about this, but like, make sure you still love it. Just like check that box, like make sure you still love it. Find your book of business. For me, my company was becoming exactly what I always dreamed it would. I mean, I was growing the team that I always wanted. I love my girls so deeply. I cried. I like, I've, I was so emotional leaving those girls. Like I love them so much of their team. I loved who were we becoming. We were getting clients that I could have only dreamed of having when I first started, like people like celebrities and athletes, like everything was coming together. And I was like, okay, still something's not right. Like this is just still too much for me. And so one thing that I knew was like a natural next step for me was like, okay, I need to plant my feet firmly either in I'm a travel advisor and I manage a book of business or I'm a business owner and I manage my business. I could no longer like have one foot here and one foot here. I was, it, it was, it was making me do the splits a little bit. I was spreading myself too thin. And so mm-hmm. one thing that I did consider and what I would encourage other people to consider that might be in the same situation is consider merging with another business. So okay, we're all in community with one another. And this is not a solution for everyone. In fact, this is a really serious decision to make too, like going into business with somebody. But we're all in mm-hmm. community with one another. And I remember having a conversation with one of my good like friends and colleagues in the industry. And I knew that we operated really similarly and our values were aligned. And we just kind of said it one day. I was like, I really love this side of the business. You really love this side of the business. Should we put our heads together and become one? That way I can- So you did like talk through this with yes. someone else. Like this was fully on the table. This was on being the table. Considered. This was on the table okay. and this was considered. And I was like, hey, I can stay in my zone of genius. You can stay in, in your zone of genius. We can be co-owners. What would this look like? And obviously that did not come to fruition. But I think that if you're considering leaving the industry altogether already, which at this point I still wasn't, but if you're listening to this and you've reached out to me or whatever you are, think about other options too. And that was something that I, for a good bit, I thought, you know what, this might could work. Ultimately it didn't. But I think that like, that's a great thing to consider so that you can do what you love. Somebody else can do what they love and they can kind of be like a yin and yang situation. And that could be a really great solution as well. So leaving, I when, when you were like, if, if you haven't had a moment of leaving, <laughs> of like thought of leaving the industry, like you're crazy. And I was like, I really haven't had that moment, but I've had this moment. Okay. I've had these thoughts of like, what if I didn't have to do all this by myself? Yes. Yeah. I've had those thoughts a lot of like, who would I merge with? And I've thought of a few people and then I'm like, oh, they'll never go for it. <laughs> but so talk to me about like, what did you, and I know that this would be different for every single co-owner, but I'm curious to know with the person that you were talking about, what was the split in like the zones of genius and what you would take care of and what they would take care of? Yeah. So there was a person that I don't think that she would care if I said her name, but I'm not going to. No, that's okay. (laughs) But we, we talked a lot about how like, Hey, I love the marketing and I love being client facing. Mm -hmm. Like I love like telling anyone that will listen to me, how incredible the travel industry is and why you should be booking your vacations with a travel advisor. And I like loved that. This person adored 
going to industry events and sitting at those tables and talking to supplier partners all day long and like really knowing like, okay, if I'm going to book this property, I need to book this it. crazy person, <laughs> but she was good at it. Like she loved it. And she yeah. loved knowing like, yeah. if I'm going to book this property, I need to book it this way. Cause you know, there's like a hundred ways to book one property and like, how is it best for each client? And so we kind of like thought about it, like from that perspective. And then also like, where does like actually booking travel fall? So, I mean, it, it looks different mm-hmm. for everyone. We did not explore it very far. It really was like a conversation and like a, Hey, like let's sit in mm-hmm. this. Let's mm-hmm. see how this feels. And ultimately like, that's not where my heart was meant to go. And it, it didn't go that way, but yeah. So, so talk me through those feelings. What was going on in your mind after this option was presented? There was someone that was at least interested enough to have the conversation with you. And hypothetically, if that person decided, no, I don't think this is how I want to move forward. Like there was, there's probably another person that, you know, you, if you really wanted to pursue that, you could have. Yeah. So what was going on in your mind that you finally just thought this isn't it? Yeah. So I think going back to like walking the banks of the river and like, okay, before I jump into a business partnership, because they say that's like jumping into a marriage. And so like you, yeah, you better know. So yeah. like the more, the more I started like thinking about that and walking the banks of those rivers, I was like, all right, I would still be responsible for this. I would still be responsible for this. And that would mess up with back time with my daughter or that mm-hmm. would affect my priority to be able to work out every day or whatever it was without getting like too, too specific out of respect for this other person. But what what my roles and responsibilities would be, I still was like, that's just, that's better. That's better than what I'm doing right now. It's an improvement. It's an improvement. But it's not the solution. But it's not the solution. And you, you had a vision of what the ideal picture would look like of, you know, if I'm going to start making shifts, the solution has to look like more time and space and more flexibility for me to do very specific things in my personal life or to just, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you had the vision kind of defined mm-hmm. and this merging was going to be an improvement, but it wasn't going to let you really meet that full vision. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't the full fix that I was needing in my life. And this is like, we're talking through a lot. And I just like want to be clear to people like this did not happen overnight. This was probably like, I mean, this was like probably like, Months, m- I imagine. yeah, of just like exploring these different options. And I think that like mm-hmm. the moral of the story is that like you owe yourself that, like give yourself the permission, yeah. like to really like mm-hmm. explore all of these options. And I think that that's a great one. I think that it could work. I know several other people, like you said, if I was like, wait, this could work. I probably would have had that conversation with a few other people because I could be like, Hey, I feel like me and this person's values really align. And like, I think that could be a great mix. And what if we pulled in this person? Like I'm Mm -hmm. all about it. And I know that our industry just like in general is much more like community over, over competition. And like, Mm -hmm. I know other people are probably like, wait a second. I think I, you know, might want to explore that. Yep. No, I know. I totally agree. And I think that So often I find that so many conversations lead to just simply not even knowing what's possible. Yes. And so it's just like rip the curtains off and like, let's just talk about what's possible first, because if you don't know what's possible, you can't even start the conversation. Mm -hmm. And as a brand new advisor, when you're getting started, I think the, the thing that simultaneously makes me the most sad and also the most frustrated is that when you first get started as a travel advisor, it appears that the only option is to do everything by yourself 
or to join an established agency that's going to tell you how you need to do things. And that's not going to, it's going to be a job. It's not going to be like provide the flexibility that the average entrepreneur is looking for. That those are the options that I thought I had. Maybe I'll just speak for myself. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go this really hard way because it seems like it's the only option I've got. And I just have been trudging through mud for six years trying to figure it out. And it turns out that that's not the only option. Yeah. And there just isn't enough talk about, hey, you're interested in the travel industry. Here are the 35 things you could consider Mm-hmm. to get involved in the travel industry. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a Maybe really great that list. <laughs> I was going to say, that's actually a really great little intro into like what I'm the project that I told you I was working on as well. Is like, we yeah. need that. Like that doesn't exist. We need we it. Do. We do. Okay. We'll, we'll sidebar this, this list. We'll make that list for sure. Okay. So merging is a great idea. I mean, I, this is something that I've considered and I would be open to, honestly, still today. I would probably have to have a little moment for undiscovered sunsets, but I would consider it 100% because it is hard doing everything by yourself. It is hard. Mm-hmm. So you went through this process, you considered it, you slept on it, you had conversations. It still wasn't going to provide the ideal solution that you were looking for. So what came next? Yeah. So the next thing, And this is what up until the very last minute, I thought this is it. This is the fix to everything. This is what is going to like solve all my problems. And going back to the merging thing and you asked like, what was, you know, what were some of the things that you knew that that was like not going to work out? One of the things behind it was like the brand. Cause when you're merging with another company, what do you call yourself? And Mm -hmm. for me, I I had done so much work and branding and I felt really strongly about keeping that brand alive same thing with the other person. And we were just like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? We don't know. And so ultimately, I know. Like, <laughs> you know, when I imagine the people who I would merge with is this exact conversation of like, I don't think either one of us are willing to give up our brand, which is so silly, but it's not silly. It's not. It means so much to us. And if, and if you have put in a lot of work of thinking through this whole process and really coming up with a brand and a vision that you believe in, it's not a flippant thing to just let no, go of it. No, especially when you've got, I mean, we had articles written about us that were like published on platforms that there's no way we could edit them. I'm, I'm like, I can't change that art article. Like we got to have mm-hmm. it. And there, of course, there are ways around it, of course. But it's like, you've already built up like in your community, yeah. people know mm-hmm. Undiscovered Sunsets and you're like, I want to ride that wave. Like I don't want yeah. to, yeah. I don't want to just like change Merging that. shouldn't slow that down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that would be a huge hurdle yeah. for sure. So going to the next option in which I thought, here's the solution is promoting from within. So if you're having this problem of insane burnout, odds are you have like some sort of team, right? And that's not to say that you can't have burnout if you're just like a solopreneur on your own, because you definitely can. I think that there are other solutions to discuss than what I can speak to Mm -hmm. because this is my experience. But in exploring this option of kind of like promoting from within, you know, your team and you can like look down and say like, Hey, what if, you know, we did some sort of arrangement of somebody buying in and owning equity in the company or doing some sort of mm. earn in situation or some sort of mixture of the two? Like, hey, here, here's where I want to take my company. Here's where I want to take it to the next level. Here's why I think that you or you two are a really, really great fit to do that alongside of me. And, you know, you could buy in at this, you know, 
dollar amount per percentage of equity. And then you can earn in if we hit these milestones that measure that growth that we're looking to have in this company. And this is very loaded. I feel like there could be a whole nother conversation in this. I'm already taking notes. Yeah. So I would try to keep (laughs) it. I need need these numbers. (laughs) (laughs) But you, you could do that and you could explore because you know, your team, you know, their strengths and weaknesses. And if you thought that you had interest in one or two other people to come in and share in the ownership, and also sharing the workload and like put all of your strengths together. Because if you're a good leader, you know your strengths, but you also know your weaknesses. And if you can promote uh-huh. from within to s- help support some of those weaknesses that you're aware of that you have in yourself, that's a really, really awesome place to start as well. And I thought up until, like I said, up until the, the final moment, I thought for sure that that was going to be my solution. And I had I mean, flights were booked. We were going to have this meeting and try to make this thing happen. And up until the very last second, it it didn't. But that was something that I very seriously. I love this idea. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think it probably hasn't occurred to me because I don't have a team that is all representing one brand. But I love that you share this idea because it is super valid. And it's, it's something that I would consider. I mean, I think that's why I want the numbers. I'm like, well, how would I do that? Yeah. So did you talk with your team members about this? Like, did you go as far as really identifying the people and having conversations with them? Or did you decide before you got that far? Great idea. Still got the solution. I, I did explore this pretty seriously. This is, and again, as out of respect for these people that were on my team, try to not say as much, but we explored, there were conversations that were had. I first put feelers out like, Hey, would there even be any interest? I'm not sure, but like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, would there, if it, just hypothetically speaking, and of course, yes, we're very interested in that. Okay. And then I did the whole thing and created the presentation and like, this is, this is what I want to do. And I kind of mapped it, mapped it all out. And it would have been some sort of buy-in slash earn-in situation until that ultimately I decided that that wasn't the direction that I wanted to go, but that was a really, really great exercise to go through those motions and see, okay, what does this look like? If we, if we were to do this, what does this look like? And going back to like the brand conversation too, I think one thing that I was most shocked and like, honestly, that like touched me the most was when I did announce to my team that I was selling, a lot of them were really like, well, what is going to happen to be the travel like what what about that brand and you know your fear always as someone in our position is like someone's going to think they they just want to go do their own thing but knowing that my team especially like loved be the travel and loved what it was collectively like we all made up what be the travel was and they still do of course that was really really like a big component because i knew that the two people that i was asking were team be the travel. And so that was going to like really just kind of like help with the explosion of taking us to the next level. Oh, I can't imagine how tough it would have been to like actually tell your team and make that announcement. There were tears. But did you? Yeah, no, I'm sure that there were. So when you were considering the internal promotion, did you start to find that selling equity or like sharing ownership started to put you in a position that you're like, Oh, I don't know if this is like the future of the business because you know, everything coming in has been shared and it kind of stunts your growth as a business owner. Or was it more of, again, like responsibility splitting, like was it a little bit of everything. What happened to start making you kind of doubt this solution? Yeah. So 
in the beginning, of course, like you're trying to figure out like, how does this work on paper? Like it's great in theory. I'm good at this, but I'm Mm -hmm. bad at this, but they're good at that. And I'm, they're bad at, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm good at. And it kind of like, you're like, okay, I can see how this would work, but on paper, like, what does this look like? Because you Mm -hmm. start to think like, you know, I put on in all the sweat equity, but they can buy in equity and they can also earn in. And then what does that look like financially? So that goes into having those conversations with people. So I reached out to other people in the industry who I knew had partnerships. And I was like, what does this look like from a tax perspective? What does this look like from a commission perspective? What does this look like? And Uh I was just like, I asked and people are willing to just share. I just asked the question. I was like, hey, are you willing to share this with me? Like, what does this look like on the back end? What does your accountant say about this? So I had all of those questions and I just did a whole bunch of research. I feel like I went to business school on YouTube. I watched a ton of YouTube videos. Like I did work in exploring this particular option. The doubt, I, I still to this day, I think that it could have worked. I don't, want to say that I necessarily have doubts that it, or I had doubts and that's what led me to sell. I think more so specifically. And if, you know, I talked a lot about how I, you know, had long walks and talks with myself and I did a lot Mm -hmm. of journaling. I'm also a person of faith. And so if you are also a person of, of faith, you'll be able to relate when I say that I just knew that that's where the Lord was leading me. I can't exactly explain it. I just knew I was doing a lot of reading. And one morning I was doing a morning devotional and I just knew. And I, I think that that was, I think that that was just like my time preparing for the decision that in the very beginning, how I said that is never going to be an option. I'll yeah. never sell my company. I think that I had to go through all of those motions and I did owe it to myself to do mm-hmm. that, to ultimately know in my heart, I was just doing a morning devotional one morning. I was like, this is it. I just knew so clearly. If you're you not can a, feel it. You can feel it. If you're not a person of faith, call it the universe, yeah. call it a gut feeling, whatever. I knew that I was supposed to sell my company. And so when I finally, I mean, verbally out loud, I was like, okay, I'll do it. I have no idea what this looks like. And I think that's our follow-up podcast episode to this. I have no idea what this (laughs) looks like. I have no idea how to even go about this, but I'm going to do it. One way or another, I'm going to sell this company or I'm going to dissolve it. This is no longer serving me in my life anymore. And I kid you not, an hour later, I get a voice text from Heather Christopher. She's like, hey, I have no idea why, but you're on my heart today. And I just feel like I'm supposed to reach out to you. And I was like, at the time, it didn't even register. I was like, oh, good. I have a friend to talk to. And so I, just, I was like, I just, hey. I was like, I just made this decision an hour ago. I'm going to sell my company. I don't know what that looks like, but I know that I'm, I'm, I'm so strong in this decision. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I've never felt more convicted of something in my life. She was like, can I be a part of the conversation? I was like, sure. And then the rest is history. I mean, it all all came together. Okay. There, I mean, you have provided, like the first idea I think we talk about often in terms of refining your book of business and like really being intentional about that. And I think Kareen and I are just constantly on a soapbox (laughs) about like focus, 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 align, 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 boundaries, people, boundaries. Yes. But it is it is something that is best done proactively. It's best done as you are naturally growing and to just start refining as you grow. But when you have all, when you are already in the stage of burnout, it is like step number one, you have to do this. You no longer have a choice. This has gone too long. This has gone too far. Like you have to do that. And I just, I absolutely love that you took so much time. You were patient with yourself. You were patient with just absorbing and thinking and journaling and really considering all your options and 
navigating and just even considering the idea of either merging with another company or promoting internal leadership and giving those people equity and ownership in your company, not just saying, hey, will you take on this workload and I'll pay you 40 bucks an hour? Yeah. Like actually offering ownership and equity. I think those are two incredible ideas that no one's ever talked about before. I've never, you know, yes, I've considered merging, but it's never been more than like, oh, I wonder what it'd be like to like work together and not have to do this all myself. And then the thought was gone. Mm -hmm. There was never anything to like push me to like think of, huh, is that something that I should really consider for my business? And if so, what would it look like? And so thank you for just bringing these to the conversation to begin with, because I think it's just really, really, really great ideas that every business owner should consider and should either, you know, maybe rule out, maybe you consider them and then you say like, no, I'm actually really happy with where I am. I'm, I'm, everything is going fantastically. I love what I'm doing, but it, I think it feels better to consider an option and to rule it out than to not even know that it's an option in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. It's you, you, like, I feel like I've said this a million times in this episode, but you owe it to yourself. Like, don't, don't take that lightly. I mean, as an entrepreneur, you owe it to yourself, but especially one in travel who has been through everything that we've been through over the past two and a half years. And all of a sudden it's like the lights turn back on and it, I know it's crazy in there right now. And I know that things are hard, but allow yourself to feel that that's real. And then take the time to go through and explore your different options and moving forward. Know that it doesn't have to be that way. Like you don't have to just accept like, Oh, I'm a travel advisor and things are crazy. And that's just how it is. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Okay. So you have gone through all of these options and you decide I'm selling. Yeah. That's, this is, this is the solution that is going to lead me to the lifestyle and the vision of, you know, where I'm at in my life right now and the life that I want to lead. This is the solution. So then what? <laughs> like, if, if somebody really is in these moments of burnout, and they, if they are considering selling and if they go through all of these options, yeah. you know, like they really do their due diligence and they take the time, you are now one step ahead of anyone who's considering it because you've done it. So I think my question is, what do we need to know before we say, this is it, this is the decision, you know, like 2020 hindsight, what did you learn throughout the process? <laughs> I share? learned so much about the process and I think my biggest takeaway without letting this last another hour <laughs> is that <laughs> yeah. there is, I think that there are a lot of things in our industry that are the way they are and they've been that way for years and decades and no one questions it because that's the way things are. And what I learned through my experience is that that is how acquisitions work in the travel industry. There is typically one way to go about it. And you're, I had some mentors of mine tell me in the very beginning stages of like, Hey, you know, you're, you're selling and you can come up with your own terms and you can say, okay, in an ideal situation, here's what I want. Here's the price I want. Here's, you know, my exit strategy. Here's all these things. And you can come up with those terms and those are always unique, but typically like the actual transaction piece of like how the sale is actually structured is typically done one way. And that's just nobody questions it. So like, this is how it's done in the travel industry, but that's not how our business deal went down. And I would okay. love to have that conversation with you, with you, with Heather. Cause I know her and I are very similar. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of our transaction 
we're both moms. So we did a lot of talking just like through voice text. And we we're like, Hey, you like, we, we were like, let this be known as the business deal that went down <laughs> over voice text, over voice text. Yeah. <laughs> but we laughed. We were like, we have, we have learned so much during all this. And we, we would love to share so that anyone else who's interested in acquiring the way that Heather was, they want to, you know, experience business growth in that way, or that they're looking to sell the way I was. There's a lot to unpack and how that is traditionally done and how it could go for you. And just know that you do have options. So I'm not going to torture anyone. Bailey and I have already decided we're going to record a second podcast on this exact topic of the acquisition and this is how it's always done, but this is how we did it. And it's different and what that looks like. And we're going to invite Heather on. So we're not intentionally trying to leave anyone hanging. It's just not going to be a quick answer. And we want Heather with us. So talk to me, maybe we can go back a little bit of like, you decide to sell, Heather sends you a message an hour later. And so like, this feels very much like, Mm -hmm. you know, higher powers were working in this, but had Heather not reached out, I don't know if you can even answer this. Like, how do you suddenly start spreading the word that like, I'm up for sale? Yeah. Who's interested? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, do you know how others have handled that? Is it usually just kind of private conversations that happen with trusted colleagues? I imagine. I can't imagine like a Craigslist of like undiscovered sunsets. There is. Really well established (laughs) that the travel agency is up for sale. Best offer. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that, and I know that I know you, and I know that it wouldn't be best offer. And I know that that's how I was too. It's more, I know that you're, you're joking and you're laughing. I can see, but I know that it's it's always more than that. You're like, okay, if I'm going to sell my company, this is what I want. Like I, like I said, like I adore all the be the travel girls and I want what, like nothing but the best for them. And so I was like, here's how, if I'm going to leave it, this is how I want to leave it. Here are my terms. Here's how I want them to be left. Here's the, here are the good hands that I like want them to be left. And so it wasn't going to be just any buyer and it wasn't going to be just the highest offer. Like it had to be right. And I had to be able to like sleep at night knowing that I did what was right for them. And I think that a lot of people feel this way too. If Heather like hadn't have reached out to me and, and what I did right. do, because like I said, I had already reached out to people within my team. Hey, is there any interest? They're like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I just reframed that conversation up. Hey, I know that you guys came to this conversation today thinking that we are going to be talking about a partnership here. I'm going to have to remove myself from that equation. Are you guys interested in buying altogether? So I did still pursue selling it internally. And I think that that's a great option, especially from a brand perspective and a workflow perspective to sell it internally. I think that's a fantastic mm-hmm. option. If that is not an option for you, there are people who work within the industry. A quick Google will do. I've read articles. There's there's people who are like brokers and that work and they know people who are interested in buying and they know people who are interested in selling. And so they kind of like play matchmaker. That's part of like the traditional way that, that this has gone. Oh, yeah. That's also, interesting. Also, who just, are the matchmakers? <laughs> also, just having those conversations like with trusted people. Of course, you have to tread really, really lightly and kind of keep closed lips because that, of course, can affect the value of your company. If word on the street is Bailey's burnt out and she's selling, you know, that yeah. can compromise the, the sale and the business deal. Of course. And you don't want that. So I think that it's really, it's really important that you like Heather express interest. And she's obviously a friend of yours. She's voice texting you like, Hey, you're on my heart today, Mm -hmm. but still as a business owner, you didn't just say, Hey, Heather, yeah, here's my business. I'm selling it. Like you still 
had this conversation with multiple people because at the end of the day, you're still a business owner and friends or not, it's really important to still consider and pursue all options to understand yeah. what it would look like to sell to a few different people. Yeah. I think that's still really smart that you did that. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, I mean, peek behind the curtains. I had, I had two written offers. Obviously I ended up working with Heather because of, I felt that that was the right move in my heart. And that's where it just, it worked out the best, but yes. And it, it's so funny because hindsight like you said is 2020 looking back I'm like okay well like obviously it was Heather like she messaged you an hour after you like had Mm -hmm. decided like hello wake up but in that moment it really did just feel like a friend I didn't think that she would be someone that was interested I really did think like oh perfect timing I need to talk to somebody about this and so I just thought okay like Heather and I did I immediately I was just like hey this is really confidential I just made this decision I don't even know what to do about it I don't know where to go I've never done this before and I was like shocked when her response was well can I be part of this conversation I was like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) sure why not (laughs) so so what is the next step not logically but you know just systematically do you have to find a lawyer and are there lawyers that specialize in travel industry or acquisitions or both like what what are the actual like next steps once someone decides I'm selling, this is the right decision for me. I may or may not have people that are interested, but I need people who are interested, but I also need to do X, Y, Z, you know, next to move in this direction. Yeah. I think that if anyone is listening to this podcast, they're like, what can I do today to help me like prepare <laughs> for this? If this yeah. is what I want to do. Consider it sold. What yeah. do I do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Start coming up with your terms, doing your own research on how do you how do you do evaluation on a company? Start thinking about mm-hmm. a realistic timeline for yourself. Start there's there's things that you can do before you just like jump to getting a lawyer because let me tell you those attorney fees are fat and you want to <laughs> you want to be careful before you dive in with them. And yes, there are attorneys that specialize in travel industry acquisitions. There you can also okay. work with people who don't, and that's what Heather and I did. And I'm not saying I recommend one over the other, but there is like a period where you, somebody writes you a letter of intent and then you sign non-disclosures and that's when you can pretty much open up your books and send your tax statements, your contracts with your independent contractors. You send them all the information that they need to make the decision, like stand firmly. And Mm -hmm. you can say like, Hey, I have this much book of business. It's like, that's when you open up your books and you like show them. Yeah. You actually have to show. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And so you can go ahead and start organizing all that stuff because there will come a time where their attorney sends your attorney a list and it's like, here's everything that they are requesting and they have 45 days to review it all. And so you can go ahead and start like making those things. But again, okay. a lot to discuss and we'll wait for Heather to get, a lot. to get on. A lot. Something else that I think that you mentioned way back at the beginning is that you can't go back from making this decision, like that there are non-competes. And so I feel like it's it's really important to go through all these steps that we've outlined to make sure that selling is right for you. And fair warning, you can't decide six months later that you want to open a brand new travel agency and start fresh. You know, like, so what are some of those things that you discovered throughout the process that almost is like, not a forewarning, but it's just like, make sure you realize X, Y, Z, if you do sell. There's probably... (laughs) a lot of things that I could say to that. And there's probably a lot of things. I mean, the non-compete is a big one because that hadn't, I mean, 
that hadn't occurred to me of like, oh yeah, wow, non-competes. I can't just go start soliciting business again. Yeah, exactly. There's honestly, if I had some time to give that some better thought, I could come up with a lot better answer. And I, and I know that Heather would probably say the same thing. There's a laundry list of things that I didn't know because I had never done it before. And so I'm walking away from the experience feeling like, Hey, I feel like I learned a lot and it was really, really amazing. And I'm an open book and I know that Heather will be too. So we'll definitely share all of that. I'll put a pin in that question for next time for sure. But I think the non-compete alone is a really good point of like, you need to know that this is permanent when you do this. Yeah. It's not just Amazing. like a, it's not just like a, Hey, this feels right. Oh, just kidding. Can I have it back? It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And also you're still involved. You're not, are you, you're still involved like as a content creator with the new, with the new, like as Heather is the owner, you are a content creator. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So I think. And is that like a permanent thing or is that just like a phasing out or that that will go on for a while that's gonna go on until it doesn't feel right anymore but I don't see I don't see that ending anytime soon because when I very first made the decision I was talking to some mentors about it and they were like hey like put together a dream list in this transaction what would be the best case scenario for you and for me I was like honestly, best case scenario, I still can be creative and I still can write and I can still promote the industry and I can still create travel content. I can still travel and like be a part of exploring hotels and stuff like that. And so for me, that's why I was like, Hey, I love this. And Heather was a very special person because a lot of people would say, Hey, no, you know, I'm buying the company. I kind of like, I want this to be a clean cut. Like I I want, you know, and and I would have had to respect that of course, but Heather was like, Hey, this is like not an open door. This is not a closed door. This is a revolving door. And you can like, you have a gift and you have a talent and you've clearly built a beautiful brand. And I want you to stay a part of that for as long as you want. And so I am still in the industry in that capacity and have a lot of other projects that I'm working on behind the scenes as well. Because if you can't tell, I am very enthusiastic about the travel industry and I, I'm having <laughs> a hard time saying goodbye. Although I did say goodbye to... But I don't think you have to. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I would be sad if you said goodbye, <laughs> you know, totally. So will you share with us what else you're working on? Yeah, so I am... The, the biggest piece of the new project that I'm working on is I'm creating a couple online courses. And I don't know that your listeners or your audience specifically would be interested in these online courses for themselves. But here's, mm-hmm. I'll explain why I think it might could be useful to, to anybody that's listening. But basically, the first one is just an online course to figure out if the travel industry is right for you. Because like you said, Sometimes you just don't know. Like you get into it and you're like, oh, this is not right for me. And then the second mm-hmm. course is like, hey, that first year is tough. I was always really like loving and nurturing to all my girls in their first year because we've all gone through that and we know what that first year is. And I feel like I got pretty dang good about setting people up for success in their first full year. These are created out of a place where I think that there's a little bit of a gap in our industry. Like, like you said, when you first got started, you're like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know 
what yeah. our options are. So I am creating those two online courses. These are something that I wish that I had had as an agency owner for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, our inbox gets flooded, our text messages. We go to a wedding at the cocktail hour. People are like, I think I want to be a travel agent. Can you tell me more about it? And you're like, that is a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just here to have a cocktail. Yeah, Come on. exactly. <laughs> and you cannot, there's no way to answer that question thoroughly. And most of the time I found myself just kind of like, brushing people off. Like I've already had this conversation four times this week. Like, can you just go away? And so this would be a great place for someone (laughs) to say, Hey, go take this on. If you're serious about it, go take this online course. If anyone's listening and they want like a discount code to give to their friends, I'll give it to you. Like this is to help somebody decide if they want to join the travel industry. That way you as a business owner don't Mm -hmm. have to take time out of your day to go have 75 conversations. And then the second course is pretty heavy. I know that we should talk a little bit about this, but the second course is really heavy on like finding a perfect host home right off the bat. I was a part of three different host agencies in my career. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, in my career of onboarding new travel advisors, I had to let go two people. Of all the new advisors that I brought into the industry, two of them were not a fit. One of them was not a fit for the industry. And I think that if she had taken that first course that I'm creating, she would have not wasted any time. She would have known that it wasn't for her. Yep. The second person- She would have self-identified yeah. that this isn't for her. And maybe she could find either something completely unrelated or another area in the travel industry that she could work in. Exactly. Exactly. And then the second course, if it had been existed, the other person who I had to let go, she was great for the travel industry. She was wonderful. She's still in the travel industry and she's doing great. She wasn't right for our company. And so I think that if she had had the tools to really explore like deeply and Because when you're getting started, you don't even know what to look for. You don't know what questions to ask. And so if I can empower Mm -hmm. people to find a great host home right from the jump, it'll help the new travel advisor and it'll help the agency owner not waste their time on someone that's not a good fit for them. And the industry as a Mm -hmm. whole. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about just knowing that selling your agency was right for you, the strongest gut feeling I've had in my journey was when I decided on my host. I interviewed three or four at the very beginning without knowing anything. And there was one on paper that I wanted. I wanted to be a part of their agency so bad. I mean, it was like, like sparkly, shiny stars. And I was like, Oh, that's the one I want. But my gut was like, you better run. This isn't right. It doesn't feel Mm. right. And I couldn't even articulate why I still can't tell you exactly why but my gut told me this isn't the right fit. And now I'm with MVT and I've never switched hosts in six years. Yeah. And I don't have any intention to it's, it's, it's been, they have been so supportive of my business from the very beginning that I only understand now that I've talked with people like you and with other close friends and colleagues who have switched at least once, if not multiple times that I realize, wow, that is a really big thing that I've never even had to really consider or deal with. Yep. And So that was a really, really big kind of gut feeling for me that got me started off on the right. So if you are providing a resource that can help people make that right decision from the get-go, I think it will do wonders for setting people up for success. Yeah. And the, the approach that I'm taking to Whitney, I'll just say is like, I'm not listing off host agencies. I'm not naming host agencies. I'm just 
trying to empower people with the questions to ask and for the things to, to ask look and things for. to consider. Exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I was a part of three host agencies and I'm familiar with a lot of them. I could probably have conversations with individual people all day long and help point them in the right direction. But ultimately, I think that it's best for the industry as a whole for people to like make that decision on their own and just definitely, you know, be given the tools that they need to make that right decision. Well, and the the list of like, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Hostagencyreviews.com exists and it is a fantastic resource. Of course. It's got the list for you. It's got reviews. You have the basic details of what each host agency does or what consortia they're affiliated with or whatever. Like that's actually what I use to kind of narrow down the search when I was getting started. So you don't need to reinvent that resource, but what you're putting together sounds extremely beneficial for brand new people trying to make that really tough decision that has to be made before they really know a lot about the industry. Because if you're like me, you switched to three different hosts and then my next step was to become my own. And then, or you get into one and you get really lucky like you and you're just like, I'm in a good fit. Or you get in one Mm -hmm. and you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to move, but gosh, this isn't right. And then you're just kind of like stuck in a place that's not serving you. Yeah, you're stuck. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Bailey, I feel like we could go on for hours more and everyone, I promise, as soon as we stop recording today, I'm pulling out my calendar to make sure Bailey doesn't get too far away without scheduling the next one. Thank you for proactively reaching out to me and saying, hey, let's talk about this because this is a really, really big topic that I think there are a lot of questions and not a whole lot of answers. And I think we haven't provided all the answers today, but I do think that we've shed light on some really fantastic just ideas and options that people can consider. And I sincerely appreciate your willingness to to talk about it. Yeah, I'm an open book. So holler at me <laughs> if you ever have any questions, I'm here. Thank you, Bailey. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you love today's conversation as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who's ready to level up their travel business. If you want more, head over to beamasterintravel.com. On our website, you'll find a free resource library for travel advisors, free community forums where you can ask questions and support your colleagues, and courses and workshops in the Academy Marketplace to support your learning and development as a business owner and as a professional travel advisor. On our website, you can also learn about the Masters in Travel community and Think Tank, a private community where we collaborate, strategize, and ideate together with advisors working towards similar goals and tackling similar challenges. Learn more and join our community at beamasterintravel.com.